need-to-know cultural snapshot of Wisconsin and beyond. This is What's on Tap with Sandy Max. A deep dive into all things intriguing, riveting, and entertaining. Now, here's your host, Sandy Max. Good Monday evening. How are you? Thanks for hanging out with me tonight. It is What's on Tap. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you on this President's Day evening. And to commemorate President's Day, let's get to know some of our most creative commanders-in-chief. I've got some uh, fun facts. Also meet a Muskego man who you can root for on reality TV next week. And which Wisconsin organizations have just gotten grants from the National Endowment for the Arts? That is good news for we culture fans. And also, it's the end of an era for a toy from our state. And... A miracle from Motown. He brings us the song you need to hear tonight as Black History Month continues. But first, speaking of music, another summertime concert announcement. And this one is part of Summerfest Outdoors. The sounds of this band will be wafting on the lakefront. The boys from Buffalo, New York. The seventh time they're going to be at Summerfest this year, Saturday night, June 22nd. They are going to be playing at the BMO Pavilion, which is that free stage. But if you want to get the reserve seats, and I'm telling you, every show I've seen at that BMO Pavilion, great sound and great sight lines wherever you are. So I'm I'm glad they're going to be at this stage because you can really see them and enjoy them. Tickets on sale Friday for those reserved seats. And, of course, they include admission to Summerfest on that Saturday, June 22nd. They are Summerfest veterans. Maybe you've seen them at one of these other shows. They played Summerfest in 1995 and 1996, also 2006 and 2007, 2011 and 2021. So maybe you'll see them strolling around eating <laughs> corn on the cob or something. But if you think about Goo Goo Dolls songs... They've got a lot, 16 number one and top 10 hits, and that makes them the all-time radio record for most top 10 singles. Even Taylor Swift has covered their music. She sang Iris on stage with the Goo Goo Dolls at one point, and it's the song Iris that has, uh, not only was it a huge number one song for 18 straight weeks, but TikTok came along, people started using it there, and uh, their song re-entered the Billboard charts just kind of showing you how timeless the Goo Goo Dolls music can be. Or maybe it takes you back to a good time. Summertime, Summerfest, June 22nd. The Goo Goo Dolls at the BMO Harris Pavilion. And I say, there's a lot to look forward to. Summerfest.com has the updated lineup, and it's been fun to talk about these shows as they get announced. Creative Commanders-in-Chief, they are next on What's on Tap on WTMJ. You're listening to What's on Tap with Sandy Max on WTMJ. It is President's Day. Some people had the day off. You didn't get mail. I think the stock markets were closed. But it made me think, with What's on Tap being about culture and creativity... I remember that Winston Churchill was a painter, so I thought, wait a minute, were there some presidents who painted? And then I thought, before I looked up, I remember that, didn't George W. Bush paint? And I remembered correctly. Yes, he did. Um, He paints all sorts of things from animal paintings to portraits. So he was one of the creative presidents that we had. Other presidential painters, Jimmy Carter, who also 
as you can imagine, with his woodworking or with his Habitat for Humanity, also a woodworker. (laughs) Jimmy Carter's paintings were scenic and naturalistic, and he even auctioned some off for charity. $250 is what he was able, or $250, excuse me, $250,000 is how much one of his original paintings sold at an auction. And I also found out in my research an odd fact that Russian President Putin uh, got a $1.1 million bid for an original painting of his, Charcoals and Oil Pastels. But back to our American presidents, Dwight Eisenhower, also a painter. 250 paintings, and going all the way back to the Civil War, Ulysses S. Grant, our 18th president, enjoyed painting watercolor landscapes and even gave them to uh, his girlfriend at the time. So I like that creative streak. And then you've also got musicians. Do you remember all the way back when uh, it was a big surprise when President Clinton came out and played saxophone on TV? That was kind of a big deal. But we had quite a few presidents who were musical, particularly the violin. Thomas Jefferson enjoyed singing and playing the cello, the violin, in his free time, even saying that music, quote, was the favorite passion of his soul. John Quincy Adam was a very talented flutist, if you dig into the into the research. Uh, Abraham Lincoln also enjoyed playing the violin, uh, would play violin when he was taking a break. And I'm trying to remember back to the Lincoln film that Daniel Day-Lewis was in, because he really, Daniel Day-Lewis does his research. I'm trying to remember if... He ever played violin in that film. I have to go back and watch it. Woodrow Wilson also had a passion for the violin. He started playing as a kid. And even, even during the First World War, he said, music now more than ever before is a national need. Just again, showing how much culture and creativity is important, even in the toughest times. And not only did Dwight D. Eisenhower paint, he also was a music lover. He supposedly didn't play music, but he and his wife were the first presidential family to bring Broadway performers to the White House during an after-dinner program because Chief Justice Earl Warren, in 1958, he was a lover of military musical ensembles. So creativity flowing through the White House, strolling through fun presidential facts on President's Day. We'll have a reality TV reality check Which Muskego man should you be rooting for? You'll find out next on WTMJ. The game you know and love is back. This time on the banker's private island. It's a whole new game with a lot more money. Welcome to Deal or No Deal Island. This competition is the banker's test to find his ultimate opponent. I was a model on Deal or No Deal. I know what a good deal is. I know what a bad deal is. For everybody who says, I'm too old, I'm here to do it. And here comes Boston Rob. I want to figure out a way to control the game. And that's it. (laughs) Hidden throughout the island, cases filled with cash. You just need to find them. Win the cases. Face the banker. It's an opportunity to make the deal of a lifetime. Now go get those cases! Whee! It is the TV show game Deal or No Deal, but now 
with palm trees and a little bit of element of survivor, it seems like. I'm Sandy Max. This is What's on Tap. And uh, producer Isaac, you lit up when I started playing this. Do you watch Deal or No Deal? I'm not necessarily an avid watcher, but I've been to my fair share of Dave and Busters and uh, played the Deal or Don't Deal or No Deal arcade game. Aha! Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Well, are you? Have you watched any of the Deal or No Deal Island trailers or commercials yet? I have not, but just based on the audio from this, this sounds like it could be like the best reality show of all time. <laughs> well, you're in. Well, it premieres next week on NBC, and I'm probably on Peacock. And as you've heard, uh, we have a new lineup, and I have a new teammate, Jessica Ty on WTMJ. She is on Wisconsin's Midday News now from eleven to one with Greg Matzik, and uh, today was her first day. And you might remember watching Jessica on CBS fifty eight. She was on there more morning news show for seven years i think she's just lovely and a lot of fun and she found the muskego man who is competing in deal or no deal island so we've got someone to root for so here is part of that conversation with jessica ty and eric bilstead earlier today well hey ever watch a reality show or a game show and think man it would be fun to be a contestant a muskego man got that chance dawson addis is on the new version of deal or no deal and it airs one week from today, Deal or No Deal Island. So that's even more fun. You're on an island. Dawson, this is a blast. Tell us, where did you go and, and how did this all come to be? So, yeah, I, uh, I I really don't even know how it came to be, honestly. <laughs> like, it's still so all shocking to me. Um, I applied to be on, it was a reality show that was, like, new, trying to hit the ground running. It was right before the pandemic hit. And, uh, obviously, the pandemic hit. I went through two interview processes and didn't hear anything. So five years later, fast forward five years later. Oh, wow, five years. Yep. And the same casting guy actually reached out to me via Instagram. And he's like, hey, man, I think you're going to be very interested in this show. I think you're going to be a great hit. I remember you. Like, I think it would be a great fit. So I went forward with the application process and hours and hours of interviews. And that pretty much after probably 50 hours of interviews, I finally got the role. I got oh the call. Oh, my gosh. I didn't realize it was that intense. Yeah. So 50 hours of interviews. And then at some point, boom, you're on a plane to Panama? Pretty much. I got the call saying, hey, you got picked. And I was one of the main cast members. And within probably four weeks, I had to get on a flight and go. So it was crunch time. I mean, figuring out my work stuff, who's going to take over my, I mean, clients. Your life here stuff. in the yeah, States? literally. In yep. Wisconsin? In yep. Muskego? So how do you prep for a show like this? Oh, God. There was a lot of prepping, actually, but it was just sitting and watching TV. <laughs> I never really watched reality TV, so I just binged watched Survivor and Big Brother right before I left just to learn like the social strategy of it because I was told there was a lot of social game. And then, obviously, the physical challenges, that it was going to be like a Survivor-like mix. So I got both you know, from Big Brother and Survivor, kind of got an idea of what to do, and then I'm not like big into cardio so i started trying to like run more and be more and increase my endurance per sure, se sure. you know because i knew the challenges were gonna be physically intense and uh yeah so take us to the island because a lot of people remember deal or no deal you got the the guy with the briefcases yeah. and all the money yep. i mean what w- take us to the island how was it different and what's at stake here <sighs> so to play the to play the game of Dealer No Deal on Dealer No Deal Island is we have to retrieve our cases because every night we are p- going into the temple playing our game of Dealer No Deal, but we, us 13 contestants, have to go out and revive or retrieve these 13, or not 13 cases, uh, 
just whatever cases are in the sure. game, okay? Mm-hmm. And during pretty much each challenge throughout, you know, the show progressing, the values increase each time. And we obviously want to build the highest pot and have the largest numbers in each briefcase when you go up against the banker. So it's pretty much like dealer no deal, but you're really just retrieving your own cases, and the values are bigger than you've ever seen before. And uh, it takes a lot of work to get there. Your eyes, they're lit up, but I know you can't tell us whether you won or not. What can you tell us that is maybe just kind of bizarre on the island or that surprised you? Or who you met or anything. Yeah, the other contestants. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, going back to the prepping for the show, I watched Survivor, okay, and the Survivor season that I watched was the one that Boston Rob won. And the second that, obviously, we got there and I realized who all these cast members are, he was the only guy I recognized. Oh, okay? he was there on the island. So, of course, I'm just like, this is going to be harder than I expected. You know, I mean, I'm going up against a professional here. I'm going then, up against Boston Rob. Yep, yep. And it was just, <laughs> I, I realized, I was like, this is going to be a lot of trouble, you know, and a big threat for me, too, obviously, you know, because <laughs> I saw how competitive he is in this game, and it just kind of freaked me out. It was definitely a smack in the face. But, and this uh, is life-changing money that you're going after, correct? Life-changing money. Gosh, don't you just want to know? I'm like, please tell us. Please Trying tell to us. Read his eyes. I know, I am. I am. I'm when does the show premiere again? Uh, next week, Monday, next week? Okay. the 26th at 8.30 p.m. The first episode is going to be 90 minutes long. And uh, it's going to explain more how the game works because a lot of people have asked me a lot of questions like, how does it work? How does it work? The JS Online article does mention a little bit on how it works, but... um. Pretty much the challenges and the gameplay get more intense every challenge because the values each challenge are increasing every time. And we're all just trying to build the biggest pot and be the one to go up against the banker for the final round of Deal or No Deal. What is it like to be this guy from Muskego who never thought you'd be on the island in Panama playing Deal or No Deal Island? And then I know when I called you, I was trying to get a hold of you to, to book this interview. Yep. You were watching TV and saw yourself. A commercial came yes. out. What yep. it? What's it like? It still doesn't even feel real, honestly. I mean, I will be at bars, restaurants, walking through, you know, anywhere, and I see the Dealer No Deal Island commercial, and I'm like, that's great. Like, that's literally me, you know? <laughs> and usually, like, you just think nothing of a commercial, but now it's like, hey, like, that's me, and it's just intensifies everything so much. All right. Well, I'd say good luck, but it already happened, so you don't need it. And he's got a big smile <laughs> on his face. He's got a gleam in his eye. He's setting up a watch party for next Monday night. We we don't know what he got. Yeah, is there a watch party? Uh, So, not really. It's just going to be with family and friends at home watching it. Oh, well, that's nice. Okay, enjoy it, because that's going to be a special time. What a blast. Dawson Addis from Muskego next week, one week from today, coming up on the new version of Deal or No Deal, Deal or No Deal Island. That is the voice of Jessica Ty, our new teammate who is on Wisconsin's Midday News Finding that local connection to one of the biggest reality show game shows on TV. And I love that deal or no deal with suitcases in a studio. They still have to kick it up a notch and and put a twist on it and now put it on an island. And to know that he had to go through all of this journey to be able to get on the show. I... 
I, I really love the fact that they have the kind of established reality show contestants as well. Like, I grew up watching Survivor and Big Brother, so the fact that Boston Rob is on there, I feel <laughs> like that's just kind of a nod to reality show fans. Absolutely. it's a, That's one of the, the few names that I do know, because I was just joking with Jessica earlier. I remember way back when... When a survivor was first announced, so this is way back when, and reading about it in the newspaper, and the premise was, hey, you want to go on an island, try and win a million dollars, you have to do everything. Like, you have to fly yourself out to California to interview, to audition. None of it was paid for. This was a big old job audition to be on TV, and this was well before it was a sensation. This really was just an adventure, a a gamble, you know? Yeah, that... And and I'm glad that Boston, it's... Boston, Rob. Yeah. I'm just chuckling. <laughs> Let me go on record, Sandy, as saying that I think you would do fantastic on Survivor or on Big Brother or You're any hilarious. of those. I would be an amazing race gal. Oh, yes. I like Because I like sure. to travel and I like the competition, but I don't think it would bring out the best of me. Because I've seen those couples where they just snap and get snarky. I thought you had the airplane tickets. I thought you did. And it's like, I don't want to be filmed on that that's not that's not bringing out the best of me but as far as reality shows go the competitions to me are more fun because you kind of think about how would i approach that same problem or or those alliances i will tell you the the reality show that my dad used to watch that used to floor me he loved big brother i have no idea why like he wasn't that kind of a guy he wasn't a, a scheming guy yeah yeah scheming is exactly right so i don't know but again it's entertainment it's absolutely entertainment, but I, I, feel, I feel like, well, thank you for the vote of confidence. Which, which reality show would you want to go on? Oh, um, I, I am being way too confident in my ability. No, but no, I'm no. Say Lean into chef. it. Ooh. Yeah. That's a great answer. I'll make them a uh, cereal that'll knock their socks off. <laughs> You're in my wheelhouse there. That in the, uh, I've now learned how to pop popcorn pretty darn well on the stovetop. I know the right, oil to ratio yeah i'm dangerous in the kitchen i can almost always set off the fire alarm i like that idea though and and of course we're all jazzed about top chef and because they filmed in madison and milwaukee and that is going to premiere on the 20th of march so circle your calendar for top chef wisconsin Thanks for hanging out and uh, enjoying the local angle to Deal or No Deal Island. We have more on the way coming up on What's on Tap, including, uh, I'm excited about this, the Wisconsin organizations that have just received grants from the National Endowment for the Arts. Some good news in our cultural world here in the state. But first, we go to the WTMJ Breaking News Center with Jack Grau. What's on Tap with Sammy Max is back on WTMJ. This monumental moment in black history is sponsored by Tayback Law, Educators Credit Union, Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin, and American Family Insurance. Superstar Rihanna continues to make black history, including breaking the record of the Super Bowl halftime show performance. It was officially declared that Rihanna had the most watched halftime show performance of all Super Bowls, according to the Nielsen Report. The live performance, which was her first in more than five years, attracted 121 million viewers during the February 12, 2023 broadcast of the Super Bowl. This is incredible, has never been done before, and it sets the stage for incredible 
black performers in the future Super Bowl halftime performances. Congratulations, Rihanna, and thank you for playing such a major role in our black history. This monumental moment in black history is sponsored by Tayback Law, Educators Credit Union, Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin, and American Family Insurance. That is DT Denise Thomas from 1017 The Truth and spreading the good word of black history throughout February. And so much of black history can be experienced culturally. A friend of mine, Cheryl Pavelski, who you heard, won the Grammy for a Stax record collection earlier this month and that's just a wonderful way of preserving singing and songwriting and uh to the song you need to hear is going to be another singer your your hints are he's a miracle from motown uh it's going to wrap the show tonight again it's been a black history month is a great reason to just dig in and learn more about artists that you're already aware of and also discover new artists and black history month uh continues and I see a connection with a great story that I just found today that the National Endowment for the Arts awarded grants for organizations all around the country and 14 Wisconsin organizations got some of these grants. And as we talk about Black History Month, the Kothi Dance Company has been around for decades and they're wonderful. They got a $45,000 grant to support the Wildfire Concert, a dance performance that they're doing. Also, the Bembe Drum and Dance Company got a $40,000 grant to support classes exploring the influence of African music and dance traditions in the Americas. So, again, more ways to keep that culture alive. But other recipients um, include, (laughs) I'm amused by The Thing with Feathers. It's the world premiere outdoor production at Northern Sky Theater in Fish Creek. They received a grant. The Madison Opera got a grant to support a new production of the anonymous lover the florentine opera in milwaukee got a grant for a reimagined production of puccini's la boheme which is a classic so anytime that you can put a new spin on it and bring new audiences into something that's so familiar is a great way to do that kids from wisconsin what a wonderful organization that gives youth all around the state the opportunity to perform, not just at Wisconsin State Fair like you know they do, but all around the state and the chance to shine and perform. It's a really special program for decades now, and they got a $10,000 grant to support a music education residency program. Latino arts, you think of Dia de los Muertos and all the parade and colorful celebration of culture. Well, Latino Arts got a a grant to support bilingual community arts programming focused on Dia de los Muertos. Marcus Center for the Performing Arts got a grant to support their performing arts series. Milwaukee Film also got a grant not just to help out with the the administrative costs to help support staff salaries and travel costs because, you know, all these film festivals is where you make those relationships to bring interesting films here, but also professional resources for our own regional filmmakers here in the Midwest. MIAD, the Milwaukee Institute of Art and Design, got a grant to support a design internship program for Milwaukee area youth. So again, making the arts accessible, which is only going to make our area a happier, more enriched place to live. And when you think about how influential literature is milwaukee repertory theater has a new production of little women well they got a grant to support not just the production but also the related education programming and if you love music as much as i do present music is a real treasure here in milwaukee they create really different 
audio experiences. I remember seeing a presentation, gosh, it was probably almost 10 years ago now, but it was a music piece set to all these different metronomes set up in one room. Like they get really, really creative and also really traditional. Well, Present Music got a $10,000 grant to support commissioning performance and community engagement project with new chamber music works. So some of that more avant-garde music yet is still really connective. So I'm really glad for that. University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee got a grant for dance, a $50,000 grant to support the creation and presentation of a new dance theater work from I love discovering new things. I'm not familiar with this person. His name is David Rousseve or Rousseve, but he's a choreographer, writer, director, and filmmaker creating a new dance theater work. So I want to look into that at UWM. And I think I've saved the best for last, the ear catching one in Reedsburg, Wisconsin. There is an organization called Worm Farm Institute, and they got a $50,000 grant to support multidisciplinary arts programming. Worm Farm, thus named because They combine culture and agriculture. So get it, agri slash culture. So Worm Farm Institute and uh, David Rousseve are two things that I now am curious about and want to look into. But for as much as we know that the arts are not well-funded in our government, they're literally 2% of our entire state budget. It's wonderful when the National Endowment for the Arts uh, is able to support the arts and culture that we love so much here. So hopefully you found that to be good news as well, that 14 Wisconsin organizations got some NEA funding. Next, we are going to find out about the loss of a childhood toy. It could be the end of an era with an announced closing. That is next on WTMJ. What's on tap? Sandy Max, you know that song. It's one of Tom Petty's best. American Girl. Not just the name of a great song by Tom Petty, but also the name of a toy that has meant a lot to a lot of people. And not just emotionally if you played with those toys or if you're a parent because you had to shell out for those toys, but a real sense of Wisconsin pride because the American Girl was created here in Wisconsin and the money that the founder uh, made By creating that doll, she really used in a lot of philanthropic ways. And it's a subject that uh, hit home with my new WTMJ teammate, Kristen Bry. You might have heard that we've got some new teammates on the air, and this is the first week that you can hear uh, some of those fine folks. Kristen Bry is on a show called Spanning the State that will cover stories, obviously, all across Wisconsin. She is on from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m., and today was her first show. And one of the things that she talked about was... The American Girl Dolls and what it meant to her. Here's part of that conversation with Mike Spaulding from earlier today. This story broke last week about the American Girl office in Middleton closing. Certainly touched my millennial woman's heart because I grew up not only having American Girl Dolls, but having so much pride because they were from right outside my hometown. I grew up in Madison. And so, yes, toy maker Mattel announced it will close its American Girl office in Middleton this spring. It's going to eliminate roughly 30 local jobs, and the company's distribution center in DeForest will not be impacted, but the closure is part of a larger effort to centralize American Girl's marketing, product design, and development, and PR, and all of the services um, at their headquarters in California. But it just it comes on the heels of, I got a text 
a couple a week or so ago from my mom who was lamenting the fact that American Girls is now going to start doing a partnership with Disney princesses and so much of what the original inspiration of American Girls were was an alternative to Barbie, right? It was these girls who were nine years old throughout history and they came with the books and really getting to go back in time and feel like these dolls were, you know, around the same age as once you were nine, having the responsibility of owning a $150 doll. <laughs> what about you, Spaulding? Were you, uh, were you a big American Girl doll fan? <laughs> uh, not the American Girl doll, necessarily. But I, I, I will say that I, I can't appreciate this story because it's just one of those something that used to be quaint and small and unique. It just feels like it's kind of getting swallowed up, right, by like big IP, quote-unquote. So I to me, the symbolism... Because what thirty jobs in Middleton, so it's not like it's the the city's largest. It's not employer. like Lock closing in Milwaukee, correct? Where it's several hundred now. Obviously, thirty people losing their job is, is never good. But there is like this sentimentality of, you know, when you see stuff that's made in Wisconsin, a Master Lock's a perfect example, like an Incinerator, where you just see it somewhere and you're like, I know where that's at. Mm-hmm. That's made in Wisconsin. I'm like the biggest habitual that's made in Wisconsin person because mm-hmm. I just I don't know. I like having that little connection, and so. I totally understand where you would come from if you have some sort of sentimentality with the doll to go, not only do I think of the doll that I had or still do have, but also like it was part of it was created here or made here. And it was just kind of a unique thing. And now to see it probably in a movie theater near you when Barbie does a, uh, you know, re remake or Barbie two in five years and you're going to see, you know, American Girl doll or them dressed up like a Marvel superhero or whatever it is. Absolutely. Because actually last year was the last final American Girl doll sale. Uh, so I remember growing up and it used to be in a warehouse. By the time it ended, it was in the Alliant Energy Center. But it was a sale that benefited the Madison Children's Museum. And at least when I would go growing up and it was in a some big warehouse in Middleton, which was at the time certainly not as built up as it is today. And just all of the accessories and the dolls that came to life that you actually got to see and touch in person. Because, you know, as we, this was back in the 90s, when the American Girl doll catalog showed up and you could flip through and see all of the dolls with their, with their accessories and everything and then actually getting to go see it in person and maybe get to buy some of it on sale uh, was always a very exciting time. But that came to an end after 35 years last year. So, between that last year, this office closing, it does somewhat feel like an end of an era, despite American Girls living on, and you can go to Chicago and go to the flagship stores and do tea time and all the things. Yeah, but it doesn't have like that feel, because the other part that we didn't really touch on was the, the philanthropic efforts also, because the people who founded it were huge in the Madison oh, yeah. scenario, like giving millions and millions of dollars. I mean, Pleasant Roland. Yes. Third or fourth? Richest woman in Wisconsin. Yeah. Because and, she sold it for $770 million. And so, <laughs> good for her. And But like, what's so cool about it is that you have places like the Children's Museum that benefit from it. You yeah. have places like the Boys and Girls Club or the Arts, you know, whatever, Youth Center. or the school can... dis- Yes, or schools where even if it's not the largest employer with a company like this, you have such a connection to the community in which you operate that other things benefit off of it. And you just have to kind of wonder... In five years, I'm sure some of this giving will live on, but in five years or in eight years or 10 years or whatever it is, when the next generation of employees at Mattel don't have a connection at all or don't know that there was an office there, 
you kind of wonder if some of that will will dry up, and it would be really unfortunate, I think, for a company like this to to kind of lose touch totally with a place that they began. Absolutely. That is Kristen Bry and Mike Spaulding from earlier today. Kristen Bry now hosting Spanning the State in the afternoons here on WTMJ from 1 till 3. And Kristen is a true blue Wisconsinite, born in Madison, as she mentioned, and uh, grew up here, has lived a few other places and chosen to come back and, and loves being back in Wisconsin. So but it was just interesting to hear how much that resonated with her because it's such a sentimental favorite. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I I feel like there wasn't an equivalent of the American Girl doll for boys. And hearing Kristen be so sentimental about it, I kind of feel like I missed out. Well, you might not be the right age because there actually were boy dolls in American Girl. I, I didn't know. Uh, I think in 2017 is when Logan Everett was one of the boy dolls. And Truly Me 74, a blonde-haired boy doll is a masculine version of the classic mold. Truly Me 75. That, so I don't know why they didn't uh, continue to name them. Then they became Truly Me. But Logan Everett, that can be your pseudonym now the next time you check into a hotel. <laughs> it's my new radio name. See if anyone does. That sound very radio. So uh, thank you for listening. That is uh, one of the thoughts from one of our new teammates on American Girl. And if that uh, stirred up some memories for you as a parent, a grandparent, or as a kid who had one. And uh, it is Black History Month. Motown just across the lake, the Great Lake, Michigan. Uh, a Miracle is going to sing a song for us next. It's a song you need to hear on What's on Tap. And now, feast your ears. This is the song you need to hear. Most blokes going to be playing at 10. These go to 11. He's the birthday boy. Motown Miracle. Smokey Robinson with those blue-green eyes. Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, songwriters, Hall of Fame icon and living legend. He performed at Summerfest last year, and he has new music out. He's unstoppable, and he is soulful. Happy birthday to Smokey Robinson, and this is one of my favorites. It's Being With You, What's on Tap on WTMJ. WTMJ News is next. They tell 